Hi there, Making Contact listeners. This is Andrew Stelzer. If you believe, like we do, that hearing people's direct voices on the radio is a powerful way to impact public discussions about immigrants and immigration, then help make that possible by donating whatever you can to our crowdfunding campaign at radioproject.org slash crowdfunding. Thanks. Here's the show. So here we are. It's Sunday morning. It's the middle of the day, and we are headed to LAX to interview some taxi drivers. And let's see if we can find a cab and follow him into the <laughs> holding lot. That seems like a good strategy. Okay, there's there it is. There he is. He's a it's a blue taxi. I'm Stephanie Ratopper, and I'm Saba Wahid, and you're listening to a special episode of Making Contact and Rework. All right, let's get out and meet up with Abate. How are you? Good to see you. Nice to see you. This is Stephanie. Hi, nice, nice to meet, to meet you. you. So we're, we're, we're on right now. <laughs> In this episode, we dive into the world of taxi driving, and we're telling stories a bit differently this time, using theater. But first, where better to start off than at one of the biggest transportation hubs in the U.S.? You know, for people who have no idea what it's like to, to drive a taxi, and you've been doing it for 24 years, what is, what is a typical day like for you? Uh, typical day is uh, you have to work, you know, taxi business, you have to drive 12 hours. The more you work, the more you put more uh, hours, the more you put many hours, you make some more, more money. If you go out and work six, eight hours, you might make you know, about $50, $60 for yourself after paying the company, the gas, insurance. But if you put about 12 hours or 14 hours, you can make you know, about $100 a day for yourself. We're interviewing Abate and another driver, Daniel, in the back of his cab. It's a few days after the Los Angeles City Council voted to allow companies like Uber and Lyft at the airport. The topic was ripe on people's minds. So while we're sitting in the cab, I keep noticing Abate's permit stickers. They're on the window, and one is from Culver City and another is from Los Angeles, and they have different fares on them. So I asked Abate, and then he told me about the permit systems. I have five permits. North City of Los Angeles, I have permits in Beverly Hills, I have permits uh, Culver City, I have permits West Hollywood, I have permits Inglewood. And you pay for all those different yeah, permits? Yeah, I pay $3,000 more than uh, other people. Yeah, but every, wow. every city, Culver, every city. Uh, West Hollywood yeah. wants $1,250. Beverly Hills wants $1,000. Nope. Uh, Culver City wants $400. So I pay $3,000 extra money. But over uh, work without but any. Every year or what? Every year. Yeah. I pay almost $5,000 for the city of Who Los Angeles. I pay $106 a day, under $106 a month for the city, city of Los Angeles. I have, a, if you see in the back of my taxi, you can take a picture. I have all the permits. We get out of the car, and Abate takes us to the back of the cab to show us a whole series of stickers stuck on the window. One, two, three, four. This one is a twelve fifteen city of West Hollywood. Beverly is $1,000. West Calvary City, $430. County, about $100 something. It's uh, about you know, $4,000, $5,000 a year for the permit. But Uber, no permit. You don't need driver permit, you don't need a car permit, you don't need anything. 
So one thing that many people don't usually understand about driving taxis is the sheer amount of upfront costs and regulations they face. They, they, they tell us we are independent contractor, but different ways to control us. City will suspend you. Uh, for example, they, they fine you. They give you a ticket if you don't have a uniform or uh, if your car is not clean. DOT, Department of Transportation officer, come here and give you a ticket. But when you ask a benefit, they say, oh, you're not employee. No retirement, no 401k, no nothing. No insurance for life insurance, no health insurance. They're, they don't pay anything. All of these costs add up. At the end of a typical day, after costs, Abate says that he takes home 70 to to $100 after 12 hours of work. Uber drivers don't have the same regulations or costs. It's impossible to compete. You know, I don't, I don't have any problem Uber or Lyft coming to the airport. The problem I have is they are not leveled with us. You know, I have to pay, take drug tests. I have to pay $75 a year. I have to have background check, fingerprinting. I have to pay insurance. I have a lot of things that were, you know, the taxi company regulated. If Uber uh, Lyft regulated the same as uh, taxi, it's a competition. It's been, let them come, you know. I don't have any problem, but it's not level film. They are separate, you know, different, uh, were treated separately than us. There's an economic precariousness that comes with driving a cab, but on top of that, there's the daily dangers of bringing a stranger into your car. Were there any points where you've driven your cab and you felt like it was unsafe? Oh, yeah, always driving a cab is unsafe. Always. You don't know who you're going to load in your cab. A lot of people, a lot of cab drivers died. Uh, on this job, got killed, robbery, or you know, some other thing. Uh, one guy personally, I know, who got killed. Um, uh, some guy took him, he was in Hollywood? That I thing? know in Hollywood, no, in Mid Wilshire, I know yeah. South Central. Yeah, uh, personally, the people I know got killed. Yeah. That's why, because of that, that's why taxi have partition. For taxi drivers, danger, regulation, and high costs are just a part of the job. And now, with the arrival of companies like Uber and Lyft into the marketplace, their very livelihoods are at risk. They tell us that their only hope is to work together. In Los Angeles, drivers tried to organize before, but taxi companies came down hard on them and their efforts failed. This time, there's more at stake. In other parts of the country, such as Austin, Baltimore, and San Francisco, there's a renewed effort to organize drivers. We can feel it in the air at the holding lot. If they don't do something, this full lot could slowly become empty. We have the same interest, so we, we let's get together and then before we die, we have to fight this unfair uh, practice. We want to form a uh, union. We want to fight. We want, let me tell you, we form here, they already formed in San Francisco, they are already having San Diego, San Jose, different places. We want to join them. We want to be strong. We cannot be strong by ourselves. We'll be right back. I'm George Lavender, and you're listening to a special joint episode of Making Contact and Rework. For more information about Making Contact, you can go to radioproject.org. You can also like Making Contact on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our handle is making underscore contact. 
And Stephanie, for Rework, where can people find out more? So to follow Rework, you can go to reworkradio.org. And you can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at at rework underscore radio. So the next part of the show, we're going to be shifting gears and doing something slightly different. So this is a play that Sub and I went and saw called Global Taxi Driver. And you two went to see this play when it was showing right here in Los Angeles. What was the response of the audience? Well, at the show that we went to, it was actually a special show that had community members invited. So after watching the play, there were some taxi drivers in the audience who shared their stories and really talked about how some of the characters that they saw on stage resonated with them. That they were, you know, the, the ideas that kind of coming up, up in the play were things that they'd actually experienced in their real lives. So up next, we'll hear a special radio adaptation of Global Taxi Driver and hear from the playwright. was a taxi driver, I was a wrestler. Before I was a taxi driver, I was a rebel fighter. Cuando no estoy trabajando como despachador, estoy planeando reunirme con mi hermano en el norte. El norte. El norte. When I'm not driving a taxi, I run my import-export business. Import. Export. Import. Export. Export. Import. Export. Taxi driving is my way to become a community leader. Community. 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 Taxi driving is my way to become a storyteller. Stories. 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 Before I was a taxi driver, I was a camera hoda. So uh, Global Taxi Driver started off with just collecting taxi driver stories. Everything in the play is based on an actual taxi driver story or taxi experience that one of our ensemble members had or uh, we interview with taxi drivers. My name is Leilani Chan. I'm the founding artistic director of Tierra Productions. We're based in Los Angeles, and, uh, but we do work all over the country. I was really interested in finding out more about cab drivers because we often think that cab drivers are in a city for a long time, but the truth is that they might be just as new as us. And so like if you arrive in New York, you expect someone who knows the city, but a lot of times those are folks who are just came to the country a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago. And uh, that the taxi driving is a gateway profession and a lot of times we think of taxi drivers um, in the negative when actually they come from some really um, important experiences. So some of the folks we talked to included ex-rebel fighters or lawyers or doctors or artists and musicians, um, and they found themselves uh, in the U.S. You've talked a little bit about the process of collecting these stories. I wonder if there are any moments that stand out to you, any things that surprised you? I think in general, my very early on, learning that you know, most of us think that taxi driving 
or being a passenger in a cab is the most dangerous place to be. But re- right away from my initial research, um, finding out that cab driving is one of the most dangerous professions in the country, uh, if not the world. So that was really revealing. So there's a scene that I um, worked with that was a mixture of headlines and actual um, burglary stories that I got from the cab drivers. And so overall, almost every cab driver we talked to had a robbery situation that they survived. And so we've tried to put the real stories that we heard along with the headlines into the story, um, into a scene where we also have someone who's trying to teach cab drivers about Safety 101. Hello and welcome to Taxi Driver Safety 101. My name is Marcus, and y'all need to know it's extremely important that all taxi drivers understand the dangers and complex nature of this industry. Turns out, statistics show that workplace violence and homicide places taxi driving as one of the most dangerous occupations in North America. As a woman, I have to be extra careful, so I never take a fare past midnight. But this one time, I had a really slow day and got a call just as I was ending my shift. The pickup was on my way home, so I stretched it to 12.30 a.m. I just turned 38 last Saturday. Can you believe it? I am almost 40. (laughs) I was just thinking, I have three beautiful children. I also have three ex-wives, but they are all still back in Hungary. I've been here for 15 years. I miss my familia, my two boys and two girls who are still in Ecuador. You gotta know the city and your location at all times. Be alert and aware of what's going on around you, whether you are parked or driving. And take good care of yourself, y'all. Be rested, eat well, and get lots and lots of exercise. Because remember, if you snooze, you lose. So I decided to take it. So I go down to 10th Avenue and 56th Street on the right side. She wants to go to 27th and Broadway Hotel. It was late. About 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay, a little after 2 a.m., but it was in a little residential area in Long Beach. It was late at night. I was sending my wife a moneygram when I got a call to pick up a fare at the McDonald's around the corner. You gotta be aware of those passengers who give you vague instructions, right? Keep an eye on suspicious passengers and never underestimate anybody. You gotta agree to maintain eye contact. Because it sends that subtle message to them. I see you. Do you see me? Then she scoots in right behind me where I can't see her. So I say, excuse me, ma'am. Do you mind moving over to the other side of the car? That way we can see each other and communicate better. I see this kid on the street. Teenager. He looked like my kid. I feel like, um, mm-hmm, maybe 16. He reminds me of my boy. So I pick him up and he gets in the back of the cab. I picked up a man who looked pretty normal. We had only driven a block away from the McDonald's when... The most dangerous hours are those darkest hours between 12 midnight and 4 a.m. Turns out most assaults and robberies committed against taxi drivers occur during these late hours, so be very careful. Then she's telling me to stop on 28th and 9th. Next thing I know, she's grabbing me through the partition and choking my neck. Next thing I knew, he had a knife to my neck. He was just a kid. 
somebody pulled out this gun and put it to my head telling me, Give me all your money! In case of a situation, it's always best to keep calm and controlled. Please, do not panic. You can't think if you lose control. You just keep saying to yourself, Stay calm. I can get out of this. I stay calm and I push the knife away. I am trying to stay calm. My first instinct is to stop the car, so I slow the car down, but then he starts to panic. And I look in her eyes in the rearview mirror, and I'm trying to pull out the money from my fanny pack, and I can't find it, and then I hear... Now these are but a few techniques all drivers should study very carefully and practice with diligence because they can save your life. Luckily, my friend had been listening on the phone. She heard everything. Four other drivers in the area came to help me and the police came a few minutes later. In this job, you have to have sangre fria, you know? The blood of ice. And this concludes this portion of Taxi Driver Safety 101. And with that, have a nice drive. We met over 20 years ago. My daughter would come home from high school with her boyfriend. His older brother, Ron, would give them rides. Soon, Ron was coming just to see me. Next thing I knew... Ron and I were married. He takes care of all of us. Me, my two daughters, our son. He cares so much about all of us, even his fellow cabbies. It angered him how taxi companies would take advantage of drivers, so he organized. He even started his own union to protect the rights of all the drivers in Colorado. Two days ago, he finally bought his own cab. He's been saving for years. Finally, he could be his own boss. So proud. Just two days ago. Yesterday, the police called me and told me he's dead. How is that possible? His first day in his new car, how could that be? Today, I read in the paper, some kid stole a gun from a nurse, shot him for $5 in the wallet, $15 in the kitty. Who's going to take care of us now? What do you think are some of the core themes of the play? What, what should somebody watching the play take away? Um, humanizing the taxi driver experience. I think a lot of people have very negative images of taxi drivers and um, I question that a lot I think I hope in the play that you know somehow you know primarily men primarily um, immigrant men are taxi drivers and I think that people have a very negative uh, opinion of taxi drivers I hope that that it humanizes the experience. A lot of the men I spoke to and women I spoke to are family members. Um, they're responsible for taking care of a family. They're often first generation in the U.S. And so this was a job that they could take and also have their freedom to also take care of their family. Um, and certainly there's 
the full spectrum of folks um, in the industry. And and so there are some, the negative stories that we'll hear. I'm not going to deny they're not there. Um, but I think that especially with everything going on with Uber, Lyft, um, and the taxi companies in every city now around the world, um, that we're not hearing as much of the taxi driver experience. And knowing that the industry is changing so much, um, it, I hope that people start thinking about not just taxi driving as an industry, but how technology is changing so many industries. Regulations and lifestyles and laws are not yet caught up with current technology to protect human needs and workers' rights. And so I hope a larger, I hope it points to a larger discussion around how technology is changing the workforce. Oh, just drop us off at the corner. Yeah, just drop us off here. Drop us off here. Okay, please be careful. You drive like a camel herder. Hey, hey, where are you going? Oh, Arun Khan. Arun Khan. Oh, shit. Dispatch. What is dispatch? Red white taxi. These white people ditched me. I am out in the middle of Prairie Eden nowhere. Oh, shaka iradi. Shaka iradi. Slow down, my man. Hey, slow down, brother. You know I don't speak Swahili. Somali. I am Somali. Uh, apologies, Muhammad. Apologies. Sir, I, I ask you one thing. One thing. What is wrong with being a camel herder? Not a thing, man. Not a thing. In, in my language, there are f- 46 words for camel. 46. Camel. 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 Why? Why? Because camels are... God's creatures. Magnificent creatures, incredible, great. And the camel herd is the top, the top of the food chain. You ask my fellow taxi drivers, Somali drivers, are they camel herders? Uh, I, I don't know. No, 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 no. Ask them. They are not camel herders. They are goat herders. <laughs> goat herders. Really? Yes. Children's work? I was a camel herder. All the goat herders, they want to be me. Incredible. Yes. I was the best camel herder. I have 50 camel. I protect 50 of God's creatures. You think this is easy? Huh? Do you? Well, I, I never really thought no, about no, it. No, 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 no. Uh, Tell me, sir, have you ever looked a lion in the eye? Uh, no, I can't say that I have. You ever stand in front of a hungry mother lioness who wants food for her cubs? <laughs> That's a negative. Me. I have. I stand between the lion and God's creatures. They are my family. I protect them with my life. Who wins, huh? Who? I, uh, you? Me. I do. I scare the lion away. I look at her. She look at me. Go away! I win. (laughs) Amazing. When there is war in my country, refugees are running from one city to the next. And, And so are the animals. The leopards, the zebra, the cheetahs, elephants, they run from the gunfire too. Really? Wow. They are scared. They carry everything from their homes, clothes, 
refrigerators, photo albums, through the jungle. These city people must sleep overnight in the forest. At night I find them and I hear. Woo-hoo! What is this? What do you think when you hear? Woo-hoo! No. A lion is near. Only those of us who live outside the cities know this. The refugees, they do not know. I take them into my mundo, my house. I protect them from the lions and help them escape to safety. You are a hero, Mohammed. Man, you are a rock. How did you get out of Somalia? Why'd you leave? When I couldn't protect my family and my camels were stolen, I came to America. Uh, no. First, I went to Atlanta. I couldn't find a job. Then, I went to Texas and stayed with my cousin. Then, I heard of a good-paying job in Rochester, Minnesota. Ha <laughs> me processing, right? Yes. But I do not like this work. Do not like cutting meat. I used to work with living things, not dead things. I do not like it being inside. I do not like having a boss. I need to set my own hours. I need freedom. Yes, my, my cousin told me to drive a cab once. I drove a cab. I liked it. So I buy myself this cab. Is this easy, sir? What? Buying a cab? No, buying a cab is not easy. Not one bit. <laughs> it is not. I do not have money. I am a poor man. I have a wife and three kids to feed her, to be my own boss, to own my own car. I have to ask my family and the community for help. Sir, do I ask you for anything? No, you don't even try to drink Debbie's water here in the office. I take all of my money, my family's money, my community's money, and I buy myself this cab. Marcus, sir, I do not like this. Asking for money, I do not like it. It is harder to me than say... Staring a lot in any face. I tell you this. Wow. That's no joke, brother. That's deep. Did 80s. White kids ditched me in Eden Prairie, the middle of nowhere. $120 I have to pay. I have to pay for these brats who never learned to wipe their butts by themselves. I need a fare, sir. I need a fare back to town. I cannot get screwed both ways. Praise Allah. Praise Allah, dear sir. It is cold out. (laughs) You know I got you. I got you, brother. Stay warm. What reaction have you had from people whose stories are included in the play or from just general taxi drivers when they've seen this piece? Um, So people are very empowered by seeing their stories on stage because these are stories that we don't hear about uh, in the general popular media or even in um, the American theater. These are stories that we don't hear, but these stories resonate for so many of us, um, even if we're different ethnicities. And I think to me, that's also one of the reasons I did the show um, and created the play was that our stories really are more similar than they are different, um, despite language and culture and countries that we come from. 
That was Leilani Chan, director of Theatre Productions. We've been listening to excerpts of Global Taxi Driver. This show covered the work of the National Taxi Workers Alliance and Theatre Productions. Thanks to drivers Abate Tafari and Daniel Casa, and to the cast and crew of Global Taxi Driver, Leilani Chen, Elise Din, Joshua Lamont, Kanisha Hemmings, Marcos Najera, Sean Dasani, and Ova Saupeng. To learn more about Tita, go to tita.org. This was a special collaboration between Rework and Making Contact. Rework is a co-production of the UCLA Labor Center and KPFK. This week's show was produced by George Lavender, Stephanie Ratapper, and Sabo Wahid. The Making Contact team includes Quan Booth, Laura Flynn, Jasmine Lopez, Lisa Rudman, Andrew Stelzer, Al Sasser, and Ivan Rodriguez. For more information about Making Contact, go to radioproject.org. And for Rework, go to reworkradio.org. Tweet your reactions to this show at making underscore contact and at rework underscore radio. Until next time, rethink, rework, and make contact. (laughs) 